Stories move hearts and hearts move impact. Slingshot Stories. 10 to 15 minute episodes built around what we believe to be really practical key areas of impact that are going to help you grow in your understanding of what impact is and how you can accomplish it. Everybody's on planet Earth for a reason. Find your sweet spot, get off the bench, and get in the game. Welcome to Slingshot Stories, a series produced in collaboration with Journey to Impact and Slingshot Memphis. I'm Ed Gellantine, and I'll be co-hosting this series along with my partner in Impact, Jared Barnett, the CEO of Slingshot Memphis. We're going to go hard, we're going to go fast, and we're going to go deep. So buckle up and let's get this thing started. Jared, I love our topic today, what is poverty? And I've asked that question all over the world, it feels like, to all types of people in all types of situations, and I have gotten all types of answers. But if you think about it, if we don't define poverty, how in the world are we going to solve it, right? So let's dive in. What, Jared, in the world is poverty? Yeah, I love how you framed, you know, you ask hundreds of people and you get hundreds of answers, and you can't solve something if you don't have any alignment around that. I think for as slingshots evolved over these last five years and what we focused on, the way we've come to think about poverty is it's a a lack of access to equitable opportunities for personal and economic success. Uh, That access means a lot of things. It could mean it doesn't exist. It could mean that um, even if it exists, you know, people aren't able to reach it or utilize it for some reason. But it's it's that access piece that we've learned is really what keeps people in poverty or, or leads them to poverty. Talk about lack of access. So my mind immediately goes like to education. But then when I think of our project in southern Ethiopia, access can be as basic as access to clean water, Mm -hmm. right? So what have you guys seen in your research? Yeah, so I think there's a variety of things that, that contribute to that, right? And so I think one is, you know, it just doesn't exist, right? So there aren't schools in that area, right? There aren't certain services uh, available in an area. And so I think that's something that is, you know, for me, that's where I naturally go to. It's just, well, it doesn't exist in that area. But there's a lot of other things that we've learned contribute to that. So it could be a lack of resources to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. So there might be a good education, but I can't afford it, right? There might be great healthy food, but it's at a price point that doesn't fit my budget. Uh, And so that's one opportunity that, or one thing that contributes to a lack of access. Another thing would be the ability to um, invest, right, in my future. So, like, I don't have the ability to save aside anything, right? And so, therefore, I don't have access because I'm living day to day. And, all I, you know, even though I'm trying to be, you know, thoughtful in how I spend, I'm only making enough to cover the, the bare essentials. And I don't have a chance to put anything away and, therefore, gain access to things over time. Like, you would think that, you know, oh, I'll just save for it. And you'll be okay. Right. Uh, it's interesting. I'll interject here. It's interesting. Several years ago, uh, a friend of mine asked me to come talk to his employees in Ethiopia about saving. And so I start looking, and you know, I'm thinking, well, yeah, you put money in a bank, and then once you get an emergency fund, you invest it. And you start thinking about Ethiopia. First of all, they have high 20s inflation. So probably putting what little cash you do have in, in a bank is probably not wise. Okay, well, let's go invest it. Well, you can't invest outside of Ethiopia, and their stock market is really practically non-existent mm-hmm. um, for most people. So then what do you do? Well, you could maybe buy a car, but how do you save your money to get a car to pay a taxi? Like You see, you see where I'm going? So yeah. it makes a lot of sense in my head, but then 
access to actually being able to do anything with it, th there is none. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would kind of think of that as kind of structural barriers to access, right? Like yeah. we've talked before, you know, I've lived in Africa and there's a lot of countries that don't have functioning capital markets. So therefore you can invest in equities like you could in other places, uh, or it's so volatile there that the risk is not smart for certain investors, right? Of, right. Depending on their, their resources. And so that's there. It's also things that, you know, are codified into laws or policies um, that are there. And I, I think of something in a place like the South, right, where a lot of, you know, the laws were enacted in a different time frame, right? right. And if we haven't been very thoughtful about how those laws now, you know, evolve in society today as we've gone through slavery and, you know, the Jim Crow era and these other things, then we might unconsciously have things that are structurally, you know, impacting certain people unintentionally, right? But we just because we haven't thought about it there. And so right. I think there's a meaningful number of things there that can be that, uh, considered as well as just the, the unconscious and sometimes conscious biases that exist, right? I think there's a lot of unconscious bias where just a lack of awareness or a lack of understanding leads to things that could prevent access for, for people experiencing poverty. Um, again, well-intentioned, but that lack of, of proximity or understanding can impede access for people um, in ways that we may not understand. I recently saw, I think in the last couple of weeks, that you guys have started working with My City Rides and doing some work for them. And yeah. that was fascinating when we interviewed them talking about access to transportation, right? Talk a little bit about that kind of as, as an example of how that affects poverty or getting out of it and economic security. Yeah, so I think what I really like about My City Rides and this transportation um, challenge they're trying to address is it hits at this interconnected nature of poverty. Right? It's not simply just, hey, give someone a job and everything's good to go. Um, obviously, having a job and a well-paying job is helpful, but by itself, it, it can't get people out of poverty because you have other things that contribute to that. And so one reason we're excited to work with My City Rides is because we want to understand that better here in the Memphis ecosystem around how transportation is contributing to poverty uh, and, and enabling that or in, in keeping people in poverty. And so, you know, as we think about these interconnected factors, to us, it's things around like the natural environment they're in, right? Is it healthy or not? Uh, housing and stabilization, you know, health and well-being, education, workforce development, economic development, connectivity, whether that's physically through transportation or digitally through accessing digital resources. But all of those things have to be addressed if you're trying to help someone um, no longer be in poverty, just like in a you know biological ecosystem, everything has to be working in harmony. Same thing needs to happen across these different interconnected factors in order for people to successfully leave poverty and, and have a you know on be on a trajectory that is is much more uh, rewarding and, and quality of life. Right, right. One of my favorite authors is Dr. Ruby K. Payne, and she talks a lot about generational poverty and how you get out of it. And it's really, really challenging. You talk about how integrated these different ideas are, these different things like your natural environment and like housing and transportation. Um, but think about the uh, integration uh, psycho psychologically and emotionally to generational poverty and how that works. That's like, <laughs> that's probably another whole hour podcast yeah. right there. One question that I hear a lot, you know what? I don't hear it as much anymore, but it is certainly implied. And that is that poor people or people in Africa that live in poverty, right? They're lazy or they don't, they, they're not very smart. I have found that to be 110 million 
100% wrong. And I think it fits into this idea that, that there's a lot more to poverty than just your, your bank account, right? Um, but talk about how you guys have dealt with that, this idea that, well, if, if they really wanted it, they could pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And you and I are sitting here thinking, well, if there's no boots, there's no bootstraps, right? That level of poverty. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, we absolutely believe there has to be like personal ownership to try and, you know, take advantage of, of the access to opportunities. Right. So, you know, we, we don't believe that you, you know, you can force people out of poverty um, or things of nature, but it's dramatically different when you're coming from a, a place of disadvantage where you don't have, again, these access to resources, you don't have um, examples of people who look like you or in your, you know, your environment who have been successful uh, it's very, very hard to to make that journey. And so for us, we think that, yes, there's, you know, again, the accountability to take advantage of the access, but it would be misinformed for me to say, well, my situation should be just the same as someone who grew up in Orange Mound or someone who grew up in Fraser. And so if I could do it, you know, or I see my friend do it, why can't they do it? Because the situation, the environment is so different. The access to opportunities varies so much. And so again, that's where I think that that proximity and that level of understanding is so important to help us kind of get past some of these just natural biases that humans develop, right? Where we can, it's easier for us to see the world and what we've experienced and what we understand versus what might actually be going on in different places that we haven't had the same depth of understanding or experience. Right. Reality is so different once I'm outside my bubble. It is. Uh, and, and Ed, you and I have talked about how Africa kind of forced that, I think, on us, right? Absolutely. It was kind of a, yeah. uh, it was transformative for me to see that that difference um, in a way that I don't think I could have ever comprehended, um, you know, had I stayed in kind of my comfort zone here in the United States. Right, right. Well, I'm hoping what people are getting is that there's more to poverty than just uh, wealth, there's more than to poverty than your housing situation. It's integrated. It's interconnected. And so this may be a challenge, but kind of to wrap this up with a question, if all those factors of poverty are so interconnected, where does that leave us in thinking about how do we have impact on alleviating poverty? Yeah. So what, what's great is I think there's still a very clear path for that. So we each have unique you know, skills and capabilities. We each have unique passions. If we're uniquely working on what we're most passionate about, but aware that there needs to be other things involved to help the families or people that we're hoping to support, that allows us to bring our best, right, to the situation. So basically we get the highest ROI out of our effort, volunteering, resources, whatever that might be. But we're mindful of how that needs to fit within an ecosystem. And so just giving someone a job, right? Well, then I need to be thoughtful about, well, how do I make sure they have the transportation? How do I think about the, their housing stabilization situation so that they're not jumping from house to house every couple of months um, and being more thoughtful around that so that as we think about what we're passionate about, we can connect with others who are passionate about these other factors to create this, again, this functioning ecosystem that provides that interconnected support that's needed. Well said. And I can already tell it's going to be really tough for us to do these in less than 15 minutes. I love what you guys are doing because y'all are creating um, a structure around the ecosystem, right? So that if I'm passionate about my city rides, about transportation, and you're uh, passionate about education, and my other friend is passionate about uh, 
people that are stuck in the sex trafficking um, trade and there's economic, all these things. I love that y'all are bringing them together and with the reports that you're doing on these different organizations that are now up to how many We've got uh, organizations? 10 and soon to be many, many more. Uh, we've got a, a big batch that's about, about at the, the finish to line launch. here. I'm pumped about that because that allows, I think, people to more and more find like what they're passionate about and know that they're jumping in an organization that's really good. So there you have it, folks. What is poverty? We hope we, it makes you think. We hope it makes you um, challenge your presuppositions. We hope it, it makes you ask yourself, how am I biased? What, what is the lens through which I see poverty? And reshape that into a more accurate and ultimately a more effective way to have impact. Thank you for listening. We love your feedback, so please let us know what you thought about this episode as well as what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For more information, impact resources, or to purchase a copy of the book, Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. The book is also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. For Ed Gillentine speaking inquiries or advertising opportunities, send us an email at ajourneytoimpact.com at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the Journey to Impact podcast team. Executive producer, Ed Gillentine. Associate producer, Meredith Taylor. Produced and edited by Joey Woodruff. Special thanks to Stephen Chandler.